TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making that paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. You know, as humans, we are pretty good at making quick assessments of one another based on first impressions. I originally came across today's guest when I was scrolling through my Instagram feed. I was instantly drawn to this crazy, goofy, infectious smile staring at me from the screen. I wanted to know more. And uh, apart from the fact that this guy loved bacon, and I mean seriously loved bacon and could bang out some major food delights, I could tell that I wasn't just looking at another food blogger or a fitfluential wannabe. Anyway, I'm really glad that I was intrigued enough to find out more. As it turns out, our guest packs a heavy punch of all-round awesome. He is inspiring, insightful, and has overcome some significant challenges. Not only has he turned things around for himself, but he is now considered one of the most influential and well-respected paleo foodies going. He has co-authored The Paleo Kitchen and Caveman Feast, both of which are packed full of killer paleo and gluten-free recipes. Best of all, George is a self-taught cook, so the books are full of relevant and useful tips, a good dose of his cheeky sense of humour, as well as vibrant, colourful photos of the beautiful recipes. It honestly feels like every time you turn a page in one of the books, he's gifting you with an energy burst of health, nourishment and excitement all in one. So through his journey, George has learned to love himself and nurture his body and is now dedicated to passing the message on so that more of us are afforded the opportunity to develop a healthy relationship with self. And he uses his website as one of the major vehicles for providing us with gluten-free and grain-free paleo recipes. It is our absolute pleasure to introduce to you today the number one best-selling cookbook author, creator of Civilized Caveman Cooking Creation, and an expert prancer George Bryant. Welcome to the show. Wow, I feel like you need to be my publicist right now. <laughs> <laughs> Done. That was that was the best. You're gonna have to send me the transcription of this so I can use that on my website. That was amazing. <laughs> you got a good strike right there, Sarah. I have some big shoes to fill right now. That was ama- like, I was like, oh, who is this woman talking about? This is amazing. <laughs> it's all you, George. It's all you. So, no, it was easy to write itself. And, you know, I absolutely love your sense of humor. We all do. And you just bring this amazing joy to everything you do. And I think that's what's so infectious and particularly appealing to me. To make another person smile and believe in themselves, it's such a wonderful thing. And um, I'm always so in awe of people who are able to experience, you know, some of life's hardships and and come out the other side as a more positive, stronger person. And that just radiates through you. So, I mean, could you kick us off by telling us a bit about your background and how you arrived at where you are today? Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, We're going to strap in for quite a journey on this one because my story is um, not an easy one to tell. But uh, first off, thank you so much for having me. Like I'm I'm literally glowing. My cheeks are kind of red right now. I'm still kind of in shock with that introduction. So I'm going to run with this uh, this happy roller coaster here. So to kind of summarize everything, most of my life, um, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. 
um, which is an extremely cold place. But I had a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, family meals weren't something that we ever did. I actually never had a family meal with my real family, my mother, my father, and my siblings once in my entire life. So you can imagine that there wasn't much food education going on in my life. Everything was fast food, takeout, come home, eat this, or eat whenever you could. I had no idea what physical fitness was or what food was in general. And uh, that caused a lot of problems as a child because I was overweight. Um, I didn't really get... I didn't participate in sports, so I didn't build like that camaraderie and the friendship and learning about, you know, tight knit communities like that. So I was kind of a, a on my own kind of guy. And then my parents had a really, really rough divorce that lasted about seven years. So finally, at like the age of 15, I emancipated myself and I took it upon myself that I didn't want to be in that situation with alcohol and drugs and everything. And uh, I got a job, moved out into a friend's basement and kind of supported myself until I was 17 and I forged my parents' signature and I joined the Marine Corps, um, the United States Marine Corps. So as soon as I graduated high school, I left in 2002 um, for the Marine Corps. So shipped off to boot camp. They, I mean, I had to lose about 60 pounds to go. I had a recruiter that helped me do like this wrestling diet where they starved me and ran me and stuck me in sauna suits until I made weight. And then I came, I came out of boot camp like a whopping 154 pounds, um, which was the smallest I'd ever been since I was about 16 years old. And then uh, my career in the Marine Corps started. Obviously, the Marine Corps and the military in general is heavily, heavily focused on physical fitness. So it kind of became a, um, a a way for me to continue to try and prove that I was good enough or that I could do things that I never had in my childhood. And all of the time, I was struggling with bulimia, which started when I was about 16 years old. So um, long story short, I didn't really have a good food education. I didn't know what I was doing. And then while I was in the Marine Corps, I started getting into bodybuilding and I had this like unseated desire to prove people wrong that like I was good enough because I'd never got it as a child. So I set out to be like the biggest and baddest bodybuilder in the world. And, uh, I only am five, seven, five feet, seven inches. I don't know what that is in whatever the metric conversion is, but someone can figure that one out. And, uh, 70, I think. and I ended up weighing at 257 pounds at my heaviest. And, uh, what had happened was I deployed to Somalia in 2004 and on my 21st birthday, both of my legs simultaneously exploded from exercise induced compartment syndrome. Wow. So, that started a very, very, very long journey of um, body image issues and eating disorders and physical therapy and addictions to pain medication. Um, I ended up being in a wheelchair for 12 months after having six surgeries. Uh, like I said, my heaviest I was up to was 260 pounds, which at 5'7 is a lot, and I was extremely overweight. Um, and that kind of is where I got kicked in the in the face and had to had to pretty much put a smile on and figure out that I needed to do something different with my life and that it wasn't about proving things to other people, but it was about taking care of myself. So I had a physical therapist beat my butt and whoop me into shape. And uh, <clears throat> I got down to about 185 pounds. I spent a couple years doing triathlons and doing carb loading. And then on my most recent trip to Afghanistan, um, it was in 2011 to 2012, I stumbled across Rob Wolf's book. And I read it and I was still struggling with some body image issues. At the time, I was doing CrossFit 
Um, and I read the book and it made so much sense to me. It was so simple. It's like, take the crap out, eat good, delicious food. I can eat steak. I can eat vegetables. I can eat bacon, which of course is the most important food group. (laughs) And, um, I, I read the book and it resonated with me and I started eating paleo in Afghanistan the best that I could. Obviously I was in the middle of a, a war zone, so I didn't have like the, the pick of the litter with food quality, but I tried to stick to the principles. I'd eat salads and I would add whatever meats I could and eat as many vegetables as I could. And when I came back to the States, um, I realized how much better I was feeling. I was like, you know what? I need to really do this. I, I wasn't struggling with not loving myself. I wasn't having any episodes of where I wanted to binge eat and then purge. And I was like, this is like all in all really, really healthy for me. It was regulating my hormones. I was helping me lose a little bit of weight. So I did a full 30 day paleo challenge and I had never cooked before in my life. So this was, um, this was really, really tough for me. And at the end of the 30 days, after like finding websites and making recipes that I'd never made before, I was like, wow, this is really, really fun. It's easy. And at the same time, it was completely associated to me feeling amazing. I had lost like 15 pounds that I didn't even think I could lose. Like I was running around skinny fat and then all of a sudden I had a six pack and I didn't even know what that was. Um, (laughs) And obviously, you know, health isn't about vanity, but it was a really good motivating factor for me to keep going. So I, I dove, I dove right in. And then, uh, at the end of my 30 days, I'm like, you know, this is something I need to keep up. So I started a Facebook page to post recipes that I was making. And actually it's funny because you interviewed my best friends, Bill and Haley, and they were the first website I found. I actually made their recipes. Um, the first time I cooked anything paleo and, uh, you know, fast forward a couple years and I got to go to their wedding and we're best friends. So there's a little love story for you. <laughs> I love but, uh, so I started the uh, the Facebook page, and then after a couple months, I was getting a lot of comments, and uh, someone recommended I start a blog. And so in April of no May of 2011, I started a blog, not even knowing what a blog was, or food photography was, or web design, or anything. And uh, I started teaching myself how to cook through making other people's recipes and. Um, I started teaching myself food photography and website design and then fast forward to now and I have more equipment in photography than I have in my car's value and I cook all the time and I've managed to design an amazing website that I love and I'm proud of and I've created a space where I can share my passion and my journey through all of this with other people and inspire them through my struggles and kind of what got me here. I love it. I love it. I love the concept of you not even knowing what the abs were, George. I can just imagine you going to the doctor going, look, I've got these lumps on my stomach. You know, what's, <laughs> I'm a bit worried about yeah, them. You know? I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, like, I, I was like, it was almost like shock. Like, I spent more time for like those three days, like staring in the mirror than I never looked at my whole life. <laughs> I love it. Like, so, um, I mean, like, I, re- I remember looking and it's like, you almost wanted to draw them with a Sharpie to like give them more <laughs> shadow. And I probably took, 200 pictures of myself and I wouldn't show them to anybody but I was like this is insane like this is possible and then of course you know I ate chocolate cake and that went away (laughs) I love it I love it so George the thing I love about you is that you're you're not a trained chef you know you're you're like a like a lot of people I think who get into paleo you know kind of a blokey bloke doesn't necessarily cook a lot so what I reckon it'd be great to get from you is, you know, what are some of your go-to recipes? Like, particularly when you first started, were there sort of three or five recipes that you just went, you know what, this is quick, it's easy, I can just go to it, it's, you know, cheap, no hassle. What, what did you do to start with? Where'd you go? 
Yeah, yeah. So luckily, right in the beginning, one of the first recipes I made was a crockpot recipe. And uh, I don't know if people just are afraid of them, but crockpots are literally the best tool that was ever invented <laughs> yeah. in the entire world. Like, no, no hands, no hands down. Like, I don't care if you don't know how to cook. I don't care if you're lazy. I don't care what your excuse is. You don't have to do dishes. You don't have to cook in a pan. You don't even have to be home and you can make delicious food. So the <laughs> first, the first, the first recipe I tried was a, was a pork recipe. But then from that, I developed my crock pot pulled pork, which is the second most popular recipe on my website. And uh, it literally takes five minutes to prep and then you throw it in the crock pot and it cooks while you're gone and you literally come home to shredded pulled pork. And it is absolutely amazing. I still to day make that at least once a week. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was like my number one go-to. Um, the other thing I got addicted to really quick was spaghetti squash and cauliflower rice mm. because they were they were both really, really easy. I would bake the spaghetti squash whole and then cut it in half, peel it out, and put some um, pasta sauce on it. And then cauliflower rice, I just thought was fun because I really liked rice before. Um, I eat rice now, but in moderation. But with the cauliflower rice, I would just throw it in a food processor and then I would either steam it or I would just saute it in a pan with some fruit. And then I could eat eggs over it. I could eat a steak over it or some chicken. Um, and then I, I, I never really cut desserts out. Like I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell everybody that I'm a perfect paleo guy because I will always be a fat kid at heart. I love chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate chip cookies. I love brownies. I love bacon dipped in chocolate. Like I love all of it. So on that note, I set out to make a healthy or option. So my banana bread, which is, I would say by far the most popular recipe on my website. I think it's been repinned on Pinterest like 27,000 times. It's uh, it's literally no sweeteners, only flour and there's coconut flour. And it's just made using banana and eggs. But I use that one recipe to make banana bread, to make French toast, to make waffles and pancakes. And some of them I even freeze that I can warm up and feed to my girlfriend's daughter for breakfast. So um, I think that's three. And then number four and five is bacon. <laughs> like that's it. Just bacon. <laughs> I love it. I love bacon. it. Bacon, ra- bacon wrapped in bacon, bacon stuffed in bacon, bacon wrapped around bacon with maybe some avocado and bacon. Oh, yeah. So uh, the the challenge for our listeners is to go to go to George's website and uh, see if you can find his video where he's dressed up as bacon. Uh, <laughs> that is that is challenge number one. George, the the important stuff, mate. Can you send us over three of those bacon costumes, please? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. By the way. I made that video around Halloween, so it took me forever to find a bacon suit. I guess everybody buys bacon suits for Halloween. For you guys. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> so, of course, I think I ended up paying like three times the price on eBay just so I could have it. Oh, it was the best. It was well worth yeah, it. Yeah, it's paid off. It's paid off. For, for um, everybody wondering, that bacon, the bacon suit is on cavemanfeast.com. Well, that makes the challenge easier. Nice. <laughs> um, I, I, I had to. I had to. You know, I, I, I put it out there so people at least have to watch it because yeah. it's embarrassing enough that I recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
George, uh, we love covering on, on that paleo show as well as um, the, the paleo lifestyle. Um, some stuff that, that we can that covers positive mindset. And um, one of the things I've noticed with you is that you're a, a pretty great cross-collaborating genius. And you've got so many great people um, that believe in you in your life that want you to be successful. So coming at it from a, a positive mindset point of view, um, from your experience, why is it important to surround yourself with those kinds of people? And, and also on the flip side, why is it a good idea to, to perhaps move towards, um, you know, getting those toxic people out of your life? Yeah, that's an amazing question. Wow. Uh, that, that's deep for paleo food and bacon. <laughs> but I, I absolutely love it because, you know, one of the things that I realized in my life, you know, I've been, I've been kind of on this whole roller coaster since I was a kid with family issues, self-worth issues. Um, being a Marine was a whole different problem. I mean, I deployed three times. So you can imagine the the thoughts that go through your head when you're in the middle of nowhere in a war and you're trying to find self-value or self-worth and you don't know if you're ever going to come home again. So my uh, my mind has ventured down some really, really dark places before. And, um, you know, the whole mindset piece is an amazing thing. Like, I don't I don't think people understand enough the power of their own thoughts and the manifestation and what they can create in this world. Oh, yeah. But one of the, the best lessons I learned is that, you know, um, and this isn't to sound insensitive to anyone, but no one else in this world is responsible for anything that you do or you feel but yourself. Mm. Every single thing that you have, you experience, that you feel comes from yourself. If you're upset, it's because you're creating a nightmare that doesn't exist. You're projecting an insecurity and you're creating this space where you really don't even know the answer to, but it's tied to something within yourself. And and the hardest thing that people struggle with is looking within. And it's something that we will all struggle with. And I struggle with it daily. But um, once I started understanding that realization, like the level of smile that I had on my face increased 100 times a day. Because when I wake up in the morning, I realize that it's my responsibility and my decision on what a difference in the world I can make that day. I'm responsible for the 10 smiles I put on a stranger's faces. I'm responsible for making someone feel loved or beautiful. And it's all just a projection of how I love myself. And I think that is something that a lot of people are scared of because when we get alone and we're forced to spend a lot of time in our own head, people get scared of what's there and scared of accepting themselves for who they are because society and people in general create all these stigmas of what we should be. And in the end, really, none of that can define us. Only we can love ourselves for who we are and see the beauty in ourselves. So when it comes down to positive mindsets, um, I tell people that you need to surround yourself with people that build you up every day. You know, life is short and there's an amazing amount of people in this world and everybody is beautiful for their own reasons. And if you have people in your life that aren't telling you every day how beautiful you are or what good that you're doing and they're always focusing on the negative, I'm not saying that they're a bad person, but they're projecting their insecurities and aren't in a place to grow yet. And that's going to be toxic to your growth and your journey. And the best thing you can do is to lead by example and, and not necessarily let them bring you down every day. Um, the best way I relate it is kind of like dreams and nightmares. You know, like I try and live in a dream every single day where I'm floating around in a cloud and I'm, I'm spreading positivity to everybody. And then there's people and storm clouds that come rolling in that have their nightmares and, and I don't have to join their thunderstorm. I can just keep floating on as my happy cloud and, and hopefully they'll follow me and, and join my journey as well. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that's fantastic, George. And I love the uh, taking responsibility part. And a lot of the stuff that uh, causes people uh, torment and, and trouble is a lot of the stuff that, that has come out of um, their own their own brain and, and, and what they have experienced in their life. But just really important and I want to say to people that uh, if you have these things that have been created or that you're experiencing, uh, that's when it goes from, uh, it can go from stop being an alone thing to asking for some help. And, and that's where you are able to utilize those those people and those professional services that can that can help you work through some stuff, especially, uh, you know, if, if you're listening to this show and you're stepping onto that development journey, there can be an, an unraveling of, of those things uh, as well that can cause some discomfort. So just remember those support services are available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've just realised the podcast is a, a really bad time to, to stop and be reflective and silent. So um, <laughs> continuing on, um, <laughs> George, um, obviously we've touched on the mind game and you've just cultivated like such a powerful and wonderful view um, of your world and, uh, you know, that dream state is is possible to actually um, be a reality. Um, as a personal trainer, I talk a lot about um, mindset and mental fortitude with my clients. And what I love about your story is that you could have easily caved at, at so many moments. You could have thrown in the towel or given up at, at many points, but you didn't. And it was before you obviously cultivated that mindset. So why didn't you throw in the towel? What stopped you? What was your turning point? Yeah, so, you know, that's a really good question. And and I actually used to be a trainer as well, so I completely understand that. But it wasn't until recently that I realized a lot of the reasons that I was being so resilient was born out of a bad place. You know, like like I spoke earlier, because of my childhood and not getting a lot of reassurance or affirmations as a child, it kind of caused this, I'm never going to be good enough mentality. Mm. And uh, that mentality carried me for a long time. It, you know, it made me set out to prove to everybody else that I could be the best, that I could do no wrong, that I could beat anything that was thrown in my way. But we all know that when you get to the top of that mindset and you're, you're introverting all those feelings and making it about you, that eventually you're going to come crashing down. And that is that is what happened to me about six months ago after I got medically separated from the Marine Corps. I had been spending I'd spent 12 years of my life doing things in the Marine Corps and in my life trying to prove to everybody that I was good enough and that because I could win this or I could beat this, that it somehow valued me or defined me as a person, which was not the case. And once I got out of the Marine Corps and I lost that structure and the ability to see all those people every day, I was forced to spend a lot of time by myself. And a lot of that reflection came and I had to realize that nothing I did mattered on how people viewed me is that I always had to make sure that I did my best and my best was okay. And, you know, we live in a society that tells everybody that you have to win all the time and that you have to be number one and you have to do this. And you know what? I I hate to tell you people, but there's enough room in this world for all of us to win and all of us to do our best. And if you don't let other people's stigmas define you and you realize that as long as you do your best every day, even if your best isn't up to someone else's standards, that that is an okay reason to love yourself and move forward. You'll, you'll never let anything beat you. You can get knocked down seven times and stand up eight. Like there's, there's nothing that can get in your way when you truly believe in yourself and you realize that at the end of the day, when you rest your head on the pillow that you gave it your all, even if your all wasn't up to someone else's standards, it was up to your own. That alone is going to be the most valuable thing that you can do. 
I love it, George. I'm loving this interview. There's some just some gems in this. And uh, so, George, you know, that sort of touches on, I guess, one of the biggest challenges you've had, which was, uh, you know, you had a battle with bulimia. And I think, you know, for a lot of people who, who start on a whole range of diets, including the paleo diet, you know, sometimes they're attracted to that sort of diet and I guess some of the restrictions that, that it entails for that reason. Um, you know, I'd love to hear your take on that and, and a little bit about your journey and how you overcome it because I think there's a lot of our fans who, who may well be in a similar sort of boat. Yeah, of course, of course. So yeah, so one of the things that obviously um, you could probably deduct from this most of this talk is that I had a lot of control issues in my life due to lack of control and structure in my childhood. I mean, I spent, you know, 16 years of my life in a dysfunctional family. And then of course, what do I do? I joined the Marine Corps for 12 years, which is the ultimate structure. (laughs) So you can see how insecurities that I had and issues I dealt with had kind of manifested these things for me to counterbalance it. And it was the same thing with my eating disorders. And it wasn't just bulimia. I had body dysmorphia. I had some bouts of anorexia. And I pretty much just never loved myself. And uh, one of the reasons when I started paleo and I talked about that six pack was that I stayed on this diet and started this journey is because I felt like I was in control. And, you know, for someone like me, my issue was always when I got in situations of stress or of anguish, I would always go overeat. I would binge eat and feed myself and feed myself. And then I would force myself to purge to take control of the situation back, proving that I didn't need anybody else and that I was good enough. So it was a very, very vicious cycle. Um, And, you know, I would go months without it. And then there would be times where it was happening multiple times a day. And it all boiled down to a control issue. And um, the paleo diet is really, really good for people that have control issues because some people like to look at it as a restrictive diet and it can give you this false sense of security that you're controlling something. Um, But what it actually took, and this is, I'm going to try not to cry, but this this is what happened. Even when I was paleo, I was a blogger. I was still going. For a year and a half of my blog, I was still struggling with bulimia. And it wasn't until Paleo FX, which is one of the conferences here in the United States two years ago, um, that it kind of all hit me like a ton of bricks. I was getting ready to fly to the conference and I was talking to Bill and Haley. We were Skyping and I'd, I'd gotten this image that everybody thought I was this one way because I had this blog and I was a Marine and I crossfitted and I had this six pack. So I had to look like that. And getting ready to go to the conference and speaking for the first time and doing a cooking demo, I was stressing out about what people were going to think of me. And I actually had a really bad case of binge eating and purging the week before. And I got to the conference. I spent an amazing week with amazing people, Bill and Haley and all these new friends that I made. And not once did any of them ever say anything to me about the way that I looked. Not one comment, not one question, not one judgment, nothing. Not once did someone define me by my abilities of how I looked. Everyone talked about how nice I was when I talked to them or how I shared my story and it helped this person or my struggle with weight helped this person. And and it just made me think on the plane ride home, like, what was I doing? Like, I spent a week before this conference literally, like, destroying my body because I thought that someone was going to judge me for something I was or was not. And in the end, they showed me nothing but unconditional love. And uh, that it really hit me like a ton of bricks. And I went a couple months um, without any episodes. And then I actually flew to the next conference, which was the Ancestral Health Symposium in Boston. And I met my current best friend and business partner, Abel James. And and 
he took me out for drinks one night after um, after the conference. And it was me and him and uh, Stephanie from Paleo for Women. We were having some drinks. I think it was like 1.30 in the morning in Boston. And, you know, we had only known each other for like three days. And he just comes up to me and gives me like the biggest hug and tells me he loves me. And, uh, you know, like I don't I couldn't actually tell you the last time that a man in my life had ever told me that they loved me like that. It had been a long time. And uh, it kind of caused me to break. And I was standing there in the bar at 1.30 in the morning in Boston, and I just started crying and crying and crying and crying. And Abel just literally sat there and held me. And I cried and I cried. And then I looked at him and Stephanie, and I told them. They were the first people that I ever told that I had struggled with eating disorders and body image and bulimia specifically. And that was the moment where it kind of all ended. And uh, I have to tell you that it was like literally from the loving, amazing people that I've met in the paleo community that provided me the insight and the the non-judgment and loved me for me that helped me overcome all of this. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's an amazing story, uh, George. I'm, I'm so glad you shared that. I really appreciate that. Um, I just wanted to mention, uh, George, there's, there's a book I've read recently and, and I don't know if you've read this one, but it's a fantastic book and it's called The Addictive Personality. And it was Understanding the Addictive Process and Compulsive Behavior by Craig Nacken, I think it is. And uh, and I think for anyone who's sort of listening to that story and thinking, hey, this sounds familiar or this sounds like, you know, my journey, I think th- that book would be a fantastic one for them to read and really gives a, an awesome insight into just what you're talking about, about those control issues and that sort of addictive behavior. So um, I'd certainly recommend people to check that out if, if that's something that they're struggling with as well. And it speaks. It speaks to uh, to that that tribe, that sense of community and belonging that we always talk about, doesn't it, George? You know, you've got people that similar interests with you um, that are loving and supporting, and you know that are there to help make you a better person. Because in the process, they're doing the same for themselves. You know, it's that uh, <laughs> that that uh, that uh, catch twenty two: the conditional, unconditional love. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that was one of the, the the biggest things for me with this whole journey is it was my ability to meet all these other people that were coming from different avenues of their life. You know, like some people were vegetarian to paleo, vegan to paleo, diseased to paleo, eating disorder to paleo, just wanted to go paleo. And everybody in this community, for the most part, is just amazingly supportive. It's just all love and guidance and people wanting to see other people take control of their health and and I hadn't been in a situation like that in pretty much my entire life so it was the moment that like I literally let my guard down and accepted it and said you know what this is who I am like this is me this is what you're gonna get this is what I do this is what I've struggled with and this is me and that's that's who I am and and the moment that son accepted that for me it changed my life um and while we're speaking about reading there's another book that I read once a week and I'm not a reader. Like I prefer picture books and doodling because that's just, (laughs) it keeps my, it keeps my attention because I have some serious attention issues. But, um, I've been reading the four agreements by Miguel Ruiz. I try and read it once a week. And, uh, it has probably been the single most influential book in my life. Uh, that it's pretty simple. The four agreements. The first one is don't take anything personally. The second one is never make assumptions. The third one is be impeccable with your word. And the fourth one is always do your best, which is what I spoke about earlier. And those four principles alone have single-handedly changed my life. 
Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that, George. You know, we've spoken a lot today about, um, you know, the importance of, of support and surrounding yourself with people that are going to lift you up and, and genuinely want the best for you. And um, if you don't know it already, like very clearly you're, you are one of those people now that, um, you know, we, we look up to and it, it just radiates. I, I've never met you personally. We all, we all want to meet you personally. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we'd have a riot. But um, it just radiates throughout, you know, your, your images and your feeds on your social networking. And um, it's a real gift that you share. So thank you for that. Um, and it's just been an amazing yeah. 30 minutes talking to you. We so. love you, George. So thanks. Yeah, we do. No, I, we're gonna hug. We're gonna have like this big giant nice. group hug, and then after we can all go out to eat like plates of bacon. <laughs> oh yeah! Can I have chocolate bacon, please? Oh no, I feel like I'm in a dream. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like there, like that was that was my moment of the night right there. Like I just envisioned a campfire <laughs> with a huge group hug and nothing but love, and then we all snuck. We're gonna sell tickets to that. That's like gonna be that. <laughs> hugs and bacon. <laughs> Between our audiences and the paleo community, like we could make that a thing on a private island. I don't care where we do it. We can do it in Australia. You're on yeah. an island. Hugs and bacon. Yeah, come to Adelaide at the end of May and you can come to our cave camp. What a great name. <laughs> Hugs and bacon. Hugs, yeah. I, some, someone needs to buy that domain name right now. Hugs it needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> I want a t-shirt. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you want to find out um, how much bacon a civilized caveman can eat in 60 seconds and view other clips, including why George went paleo, go and check him out on YouTube at Culinary Caveman Videos. For your daily dose of George, uh, follow him on Facebook at Civilized Caveman Cooking or check out Civilized Caveman on Instagram. You can also find him on Pinterest. You can hunt down that banana bread recipe we spoke about. Uh, and he's also on Twitter. So plenty of caveman awesomeness to go around for everyone. Um, to get access to heaps of free recipes and see what else is on offer, go to civilizedcavemancooking.com. And also, if you want to experience paleo on a whole new level, I strongly recommend purchasing George's recipe books. The Paleo Kitchen and Caveman Feast, both chock full of amazing inspiration. I'm sure that there are additional recipes other than bacon. In fact, I know it. <laughs> and as always, we will post the links for all of this on our Facebook page. We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Many a light bulb moment. And uh, do make sure you head over to our website, thatpaleoshow.com, to tell us what you think. Until next week, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.